0: Hey, what's up, everybody? (laughs) We are here with the second part of the Legendary Tales, which is, uh, interestingly, since we are talking about human errors, I forgot to hit save when we record the second part of the other one yesterday, so we are here doing it again, which just goes to show that there is more than one advantage to splitting up the episodes because at least... It's only half an hour. It's only our second bit that we have to re-record opposed to the whole thing. So what that means is you are going to get me giving... Rehearsed reactions to Adam's story on Chernobyl. And, but it's also cool because I'll actually be able to join in a little bit with some of the things I learned yesterday. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, it allows us to make sure that you're kind of getting a really cool, succinct story. So hopefully you enjoy it before we get into that we did promise that we would quickly give a shout out to the amazing Casey Taylor yeah
1: Casey who
0: told us that she was uh, who told us that she really enjoyed our alien episode yeah after she listened to the big cat episode where we said that no one liked our alien episode
1: we probably didn't have to mention twice
0: no no so that is uh thank you Casey for pointing that out really that people do it. enjoy it because you know what? I think it was a tough episode for us to do because we weren't really sure what we were getting into.
1: Yeah. Uh, lots of smarter people have talked about it much in a much better and more understandable fashion than we did. But
0: I'm glad you learned something and took something yeah, from it.
1: Yeah, and I think we were a bit intimidated by the whole...
0: By the whole thing. By
1: the whole outer space space. <laughs> and we were sort of maybe trepidatious about doing another episode, but since... One person said they liked it. We might as well. That's just,
0: good enough for us. We'll just we dive love back it.
1: into it. All
0: right. So uh, we're going to get into Chernobyl.
1: Yeah, again, again.
0: Again, again, again. All right, Adam. So take it away. Tell me about Chernobyl. I'm going to
1: talk about Chernobyl again. So before I talk about Chernobyl proper, I'm going to talk a bit about Prepat, which was a city that was built in order to house the engineers and general employees of the Chernobyl power plant
0: so this gave me a little confusion yesterday so i'm hoping since we are re-recording it the confusion i can get cleared up yeah so there was chernobyl the power plant
1: yeah
0: was there then chernobyl the town
1: there was this, a small city around near the power plant that was also called chernobyl okay and then there was prepat which no. was a mile and a half away from the region, and
0: that was like the main that was
1: the bigger city. The so, bigger city, Chernobyl the city Chernobyl only housed about 15,000 people. Okay, and, so more of a town, and Prepat housed around 50,000.
0: Okay, and then where is Kiev in relation to Kiev, this?
1: the capital of the Ukraine? I believe is to the east of Chernobyl, closer to the Belarus border.
0: Okay, and and a fair distance away from Chernobyl? Or? I
1: think so. Yeah, okay. because they were talking about building these two cities closer to Kiev as a sort of, like, show of Ukraine power. Um, but then they decided that it might be a bit dangerous if there was a, you know, an explosion. <laughs> so at least someone had some foresight.
0: Okay, so... Actually, be- I think I
1: think I'm sorry. I think Kiev is more to the west. I think it's more centralized in the okay. Ukraine. I didn't look at a map of the Ukraine before this, but I do think it's to the west.
0: No, it bit. was more the the Chernobyl the power plant, Chernobyl the town, Pripyat the city.
1: Yes, is pre, that yeah, kind Pre-Patt. of yeah, and Pre-Patt. then and then like the exclusion zone, which what's now called the exclusion zone, which is where the fallout is, the and worst.
0: that was the forest area. Yes, well, it's, okay.
1: the, it's actually that whole area, like Chernobyl okay. and Pripyat, are still in the exclusion zone. Okay.
0: All right, the thank you. Because yeah. that got confusing to me last yeah, time. I couldn't yeah. figure well, out what size And different.
1: the Chernobyl power plant is actually called, like, Lenin. like What was Lenin's first oh. name? Was it Vladimir Lenin? No, it's Vladimir that Putin. That
0: Vladimir Putin.
1: Yeah. It uh... Bl- it's actually named after Lenin. The, fa- okay. the famous, not John Lennon, but the Russian <laughs> one. Um, that's actually what the power plant is called. Okay. But they just call it the Chernobyl reactor okay. Mark II, whatever, uh, to keep it consistent, okay. I guess. Okay. So pre-pet was founded on February 4th, 1970, near the Ukraine-Belarus Vladimir
0: border. Is Vlad- Vladimir is Vladimir Lenin. Okay, I thought it was. Okay. I thought I wasn't going it's insane. It's also Vladimir Putin. There's a lot of Vladimirs. Okay. too yeah. many.
1: Pripyat was founded on February 4th, 1970, near the Ukraine-Belarus border. It was the ninth nuclear city of the USSR, and in 1979, construction was finished, and it was proclaimed a city. Okay. And it was built to house employees of the reactor. Now it's known, it's it is known as what is called an atom grad. And that doesn't the word atom doesn't directly imply nuclear facilities. Okay. An atom grad is a Russian word for what is essentially military establishments. Every country has these, the US has one. I think you used the example Quantico yesterday, which I can't believe that didn't immediately come to mind because we we lived an hour away from it. But basically they just require a specific authorization to get to get in but they okay. but they do operate like cities um, i mean quantico obviously has like their they have indoor gyms and swimming yeah. pools and they have establishments there for and shopping and, and shopping and i think there's apartment complexes as well near, i assume near so the they base. got to live in yeah live so prepat is the ukrainian Quantico, but it basically. wasn't military no it was strictly nuclear power but they did require a specific authorization to get in because it was such a sensitive sort of area okay because you wouldn't want people just walking into the city where your nuclear reactor is housed yeah because you could have spies or this was during the cold war so everyone's super worried about spies and subterfuge and all of that okay so as i was saying yesterday when we recorded this I had this really strange image of what a Ukrainian city near a USSR-operated power plant would look like. I expected it to be a lot more militant, a Mm -hmm. lot more military-focused.
0: Especially since, like, they have to be approved to go on to essentially onto base. Yes,
1: exactly. But I'm wondering if that meant that, like, maybe the citizens weren't leaving very often and weren't coming back in. So the—because they did build it to be, like, a self-sustaining city, basically. Yeah. The pre-disaster it was a perfectly normal average sized city it housed around 50,000 people people had weddings they went to work they went to school they had hobbies they owned construction firms and it was full of young people people young people flocked to pre-pat for one reason or another it differed little from any other urban settlement in the Soviet Union there's some quotes there whatever that means okay and it was a well-stocked city they were very proud of the fact that prepat was quote unquote Met meeting necessary requirements for soviet standards which again okay. i think that just meant that there was food there enough to feed their their citizens but
0: the way you described it yesterday it actually had a whole lot going on for oh them. yeah
1: yeah yeah so in 1979 when the chernobyl atomic power station was established there was a ton of facilities and infrastructure for people to sort of live and enjoy life so yeah. i'm going to go into a little bit of that there were 13,000 apartment blocks 15 primary schools, five secondary schools and one professional school. And those could, I guess, effectively teach 5,000 pupils at a time. One hospital big enough to house 410 patients and three clinics, 25 stores and malls, 27 cafes, cafeterias and restaurants capable of having 5,000 patrons at any given time. Mm -hmm. 10 warehouses, which could hold 4,000 tons of goods and a culture palace. Um, and this was a very sort of USSR-specific okay. thing. It was kind of a big hobby club. They basically just built a big building and put a bunch of space in it for you to go in and do whatever hobbies you wanted well, to Well,
0: and that, then the amusement park that yeah. is always getting photographed. And, they also, weird and creepy. they and also there. had
1: an amusement park, yeah. The culture club housed a cinema and a school for the arts and all sorts of cool stuff. There were 10 gyms, three indoor swimming pools, 10 shooting galleries, and two sporting stadiums. One park, the amusement park that everyone takes pictures yep. of, 35 playgrounds, and four factories, which had an annual turnover rate of 477 million rubles, which- conver- is
0: like $3? The
1: conversion rate's never good, but I think in today's uh, UK sterling, it's around 192 million pounds, I believe. That's it,
0: pretty. What do, do we know what the factories were producing?
1: I, I think they were just metal factories. Okay. Um, I think they were st- they were mostly stamping and machining from what I've seen. I've seen some interior shots of, of the factories. Yeah. Oh, the reason I was interested in this, there's a YouTuber whose name is Shie and it's spelled yeah. S-H-I-E-Y. And I believe he lives in the Ukraine, but I probably don't wanna give that information away. Although he does post these videos publicly He puts on videos
0: YouTube. on YouTube, he's fine.
1: And he went and did some urban exploration of the exclusion zone. So this is why I'm very interested in this. Um, you can go do day trips in Prepat, which I'll get into a little bit at the end of this he sort of did it under the radar what we would say illegally and the video is very interesting if you want to watch it it's called illegal freedom freedom uh my journey across the chernobyl exclusion zone or something so
0: what i didn't do yesterday which i'm doing right now as we talk mm-hmm. is look at pictures of prepat before the explosion
1: mm, it's a perfectly 1970s yeah bustling city
0: it's definitely got a 1970s thing going on yeah i will say that it still doesn't look so I mean, even... I mean,
1: it is still a city in the U.S.S. Yeah, it
0: doesn't... I mean, I think I had this, like, very utopian idea yesterday. No,
1: it is very...
0: No, it's not. It's still very grim.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, like, a perfect thing, but it's not...
0: But they they do seem to have quite a lot of green space.
1: Yes, they do. Uh, the, the That part of the Ukraine is sort of well-known for its green, verdant spaces, which I wasn't aware of.
0: No, I... but it does seem to be quite pretty, and the swimming pool looks pretty impressive. yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all very, Wouldn't, very interesting. You couldn't
0: literally pay me any money to swim in
1: it. Uh, no, not anymore, no. Uh
0: but um yeah, it's it definitely looks like a normal 1970s kind of
1: yeah. town. It does have that aesthetic for sure.
0: And they're not all dressed in gray, which for whatever reason I just assumed it would be.
1: Me too. Me too.
0: Okay.
1: It's <laughs> awful. The cities were also so normal that they had this had a, a, a the city was also so so normal that it had a railway station. Uh, 167 buses, and a phone company. And a hotel. And a hotel, yeah, I which it. I think you can stay in if you go do the day trips to Prepat.
0: Ooh. I think. Okay.
1: So, yeah, Prepat very normal okay. for about five years. Uh, Well, sorry, about seven years, actually, until April 25th, 1986, the day before the Chernobyl reactor yeah. disaster. So I want to go into this by saying that from what I've read, what experts say, if nuclear power power is handled correctly, it yeah. can be the safe some of the safest ways to create electricity.
0: Yeah, and it's definitely a resource that people
1: should well not should exploit, but need to do it very carefully.
0: Um, have to be a where it exists.
1: There's a massive caveat when it comes to if you let one thing go wrong, the I,
0: although the other side of that, and mm. this is something we didn't really talk about yesterday too much, which was a lot of the deaths that i'm talking about yeah in my bit to do with pollution and smog could in fact be have been avoided with a nuclear power yes plan
1: yes because you wouldn't be burning coal or or oil but then the... of
0: course the deaths from the nuclear power plant when it goes wrong might outweigh the deaths oh yeah because the... they
1: can they can level cities like i think the chernobyl disaster it so it they have a ranking for nuclear disasters. Yeah. And it's, it was ranked seven, which is the highest, yeah. the most devastating kind of nuclear disaster.
0: How many people, I don't know that you ever gave me like a proper death toll yesterday. I think
1: it was in, the, so the immediate explosion. Obviously hard to. The immediate explosion killed 30 people. Okay. I think in the following week, something like 200 or 300 people died of acute okay. radiation poisoning. Yeah. And then the WHO. Yeah has the numbers at 5,000 dead due to cancer-related deaths. And I'm not sure up to what year that was. I think that was like 2011 or something.
0: But interestingly, still less than died, significantly less than died in that one smog.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's true. I think even though this was... It sounds awful to say, but they, they 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 didn't like get away with it obviously and this was a horrible disaster, but the numbers are surprisingly low in my like in my mind Compared to what
0: we were just talking yeah, about. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, I have a quote here from Vitaly Sklyarova, the Minister of Power and Electrification of the Ukraine at the time in the 1980s and he mm-hmm. said, "The odds of a mouth melt- the odds of a meltdown are 1 in 10,000 years. The plants are safe and reliable and have controls that are protected from any breakdown with three backup safety systems. Um, he shot himself a little bit in the foot there by saying, "How
0: far? How soon before the meltdown I think this that this w- happened was
1: maybe maybe in the same year, okay. maybe a year or two beforehand. Either um, way, not mm. yeah, not not super, you know. Yeah, if he could go back in time and and take that back, I'm sure he would. Yeah. So on the 25th of April in 1986, the operator of the the head operator of The Chernobyl reactor decided to run a test in order to see if the reactor could handle cooling in the case of an emergency shutdown. At one o'clock in the morning on the 25th, reactor four goes into a scheduled shutdown and everything's running. normally. And this
0: was a bit I found most surprising yesterday because I, as I explained to Adam yesterday, I didn't know much about Chernobyl. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen the TV show, although apparently it's amazing this will be really good uh but i didn't know much about it what i knew about it was that well what i thought i knew about it was that there was an explosion but i always assumed it was kind of something broke yeah unexpectedly things, and it
1: some things did break
0: well okay so tell me about it sorry because that's no, okay
1: it's okay no because i think we were both surprised that we found out that it was mostly down to human error yeah at a, at a certain point the break like the
0: well, yep. obviously, whenever anything like a nuclear power plant fails, it could be down to human errors and the engineer who built the bit yeah. that failed. Yeah. But this was much...
1: This was much more a sort of negligent attitude yeah. toward the amount of power that they were yeah. handling. So the reactor is running normally. They they reduce the power to about 50% in order to run the test in order to observe the reactor with limited power flow. And it runs fairly normally for about 12 hours. Okay. So at one o'clock in the afternoon, the, the turbine number two is turned off due to the de- the decreased amount of steam, because obviously the power is lessened because they've turned the power down. Okay. They should at this point have turned the power down to about 30% capacity, mm-hmm. but, but the reactor was generating about 10% of the Ukraine's needed energy consumption. So it was piping energy to other parts of the Ukraine. And someone on the other end of the line said, "You can't turn the power down that much because we'll lose power to like this city, basically." Okay. So they didn't. It should have been turned down. It should have been turned down to another twenty, like another twenty. But they made the
0: choice to take the risk.
1: Yeah, they left it at fifty. They thought it would be fine.
0: And they had done this test before, right?
1: Yeah, I think a year earlier, maybe I think like a year earlier, they had done a similar test and they hadn't gotten the results that they wanted, so they wanted to try to you know try it again. Okay. And they had done it successfully that time, obviously. Okay. So I didn't really go too in depth into the the sort of the failings, but I, I did sort of write a little paragraph here mm-hmm. because it the I'm not an engineer by any stretch of the imagination. I don't understand how nuclear power plants are built. Yeah. So
0: you don't? No, how I do don't. You not?
1: I don't. I just don't. I
0: don't I don't understand nuclear
1: <sighs> power at all. It's very confusing. Reactor's manual control rods, the emergency cooling system, the turbines, and then a negligence of several safety protocols. The power in the reactor exceeded what the safety systems were able to handle. Fuel elements started exploding, leading to an increased amount of steam generation. The internal pressure continued to rise, and the 1,000-ton lid of the reactor was blown off of the top. And that's when the highly reactive material started to gush out into the atmosphere. Okay. So, no good.
0: And it wasn't like a mushroom
1: cloud? It no. So based on the... There's some footage of the reactor exploding. It's very grainy and very sort of, you know, hard to okay. see. But the lid blows off, and there's sort of like a spout of fire. Okay. Um, I'm assuming because there wasn't... It wasn't a nuclear explosion. Okay. But the plutonium itself didn't react and explode.
0: And I guess that's what I always thought it was. It was a
1: steam explosion, which which, which- opened the, like... The, it the, was a
0: not nuclear explosion, which then allowed nuclear stuff to yeah, allowed, escape. Yes,
1: it allowed the highly radioactive material to okay to the atmosphere. So the response, in terms of this, you know, this, the the overall like the safety teams, the the firefighters, the response and containment was pretty quick. Hundreds of firemen were, were called to the scene, and their job was basically to extinguish the burning graphite blocks and try to isolate the fire. They discovered very quickly that dumping water onto burning radioactive material doesn't put the fire out, sort of like when you dump water on a petrol fire. They didn't know this beforehand? It gets worse? No, because I don't think they'd had a disaster of this magnitude before. Okay. But you'd, you'd think that they would have, you know, well, we've done a, a very you tiny thing. They would have well, they'd
0: had preparedness, awareness yeah, things. yeah. yeah. So, Although I guess this was before computer simulations could be run so it's not like they could.
1: Yeah. Um so a few days I mean the fire continued to burn uh for a bit and on the 28th when they finally h- had the fire contained they the final so- the, oh, I'm not going to say that the solution to <laughs> the solution to snuffing out the fire was to dump some sand on it I think. Okay. This was a bit of a dangerous action as well because they found out that even at the height at which they were dumping the sand yeah. the radiation was still getting to the pilots and the people in the in the helicopters and i will say that all of the emergency responders who showed up to chernobyl uh died like weeks later of acute radiation sickness and this is like 2 or 300 people who were already risking their lives yeah. to protect to protect their city and their citizens and i mean it's it's just a, absolutely devastating of, of like men. the
0: world trade centers before the world yeah trade.
1: i would put these these first responders on the same level of heroism because there's no other way to describe it really
0: yeah were they living in the city oh uh, yeah first responders from yes. the city
1: yeah they were i okay. think they may have pulled some from a, a, a smaller city nearby i mean there were a lot of villages in what is now the exclusion zone okay some of them were, were i mean quite small and like sort of ramshackle but yeah yeah I, I'm pretty sure they pulled them from prepat, and then uh, I think some come from came from Belarus. And yeah, it's hard to say, really. So we're going to fast forward. That the explosion obviously happened at the end of April and at the beginning of March, 1986. The Chernobyl New Safe Confinement was built, and it's often known as the sarcophagus. And they basically built a sarcophagus to go over the remains of Reactor Four in order to contain the radiation leakage. It's a big concrete thing. If you look up. Picture of Chernobyl now, it's sort of the picture of Chernobyl, if you're not looking at pictures of the Ferris wheel. And the goal of the sarcophagus is to contain radiation leakage for the next 100 years, so up to 2086. And they're constantly working on the sarcophagus. Like bits of it have broken off, like deteriorated, and people are going in like constantly to totally a job
0: I would never do. Yeah.
1: People are, people, I think live in Chernobyl in the city of Chernobyl for a few days out of like the year. And they, they basically, their job is to go work on the engineering of the building.
0: Such brave people.
1: Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. So what's, what else?
0: What is their plan in a hundred years?
1: I think they're just going to, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if their plan is to tear it down and build another one basically and just keep containing it. Cause like I'll, I'll mention the half-life of the stuff. Of the radioactive material yeah. that was left behind is it's absurdly it's like an absurd amount of time like for it to break down. Yeah, they're not life. gonna
0: outlive it. No, I mean a
1: no. hundred I mean,
0: years isn't gonna do a
1: whole lot. No. Um, so I'm not sure what their plan is. I think they're just gonna keep maintaining the sarcophagus for as long as possible. Okay. I will say that another factor about Chernobyl that I wasn't ultra aware of was the Soviet cover up, because obviously USSR was super proud of their their sort of nuclear power. Yeah. And they wanted to maintain this facade of military, economic, and political power. And so, when when your reactor blows up, you don't want people to really know about it. <laughs> so, radiation clouds are billowing over Europe. They're heading toward the what is I think you guys call it continental Europe. Yeah. Um, so, northern Europe and the UK, but no one really knows the full extent of the Chernobyl disaster because the USSR is hoping. We'll maintain this, sort of sweep it under the rug. Well, tell everyone that there was a fire. and an going to so
0: what were they telling people? So they
1: were. They did say, there, they did admit that there was a fire and an explosion, but they didn't mention that, well, that the reactor was basically scuffed and okay. non-operational. And B, that there was a massive radiation cloud. Okay. Coming. Did they
0: say that it was in a nuclear plant?
1: Yes. Okay. Well, everyone knew. Everyone knew what Chernobyl was. Because it's hard to... It's hard hide to hide what? a. It's hard okay. to hide a nuclear reactor.
0: And they were boasting about it because they were proud of it. Yes,
1: that's it. Yeah, the USSR was okay. very, very into this sort of thing. But yeah, I was reading headlines from the Guardian and all the the publications at the time in the UK, and it was like there was a fire and an explosion. But like, did it seem
0: like they were buying that it was not?
1: There was one publication. I'm I'm not sure which one it was, but it was obviously like a very anti-communist publication. the D-mail. It could have been, and they and it said like <laughs> ex- massive explosion at at like red fat at red power plant. Okay. Um, which is, which was very interesting. I think they may have been sort of trying to play it up, but they actually ended up being the most correct in their reporting of it. Uh, And prepad, we're going to go back and talk about the city a bit. They were obviously aware that there was an explosion, but they hadn't been evacuated even 18 hours after the power plant had exploded. Uh, radiation levels obviously continued to rise, but in 1963, the USSR basically put out a law that said if the radiation levels don't get to a certain point, unless they get to a certain point, we don't evacuate cities because we want to, obviously continuing this.
0: I just can't even imagine what point that must be when a nuclear power plant reacts and mile uh, explodes
1: two miles away from two city. miles
0: away from a city. Yeah, and that's still not considered. Yeah, like, and it's a. It's, 7 level 7
1: yeah the level 7 react yeah uh whatever the whatever the levels. most is yeah it was the worst one of the worst explode. uh and
0: so i mean you weren't allowed to eat the radiation was that like <sighs> the boundary so the
1: number was 75 gins rot- roentgens roentgens a day mm-hmm. and apparently they just hadn't reached that number yet but that seems that's a massive number because i think pre-pad at the time was people were absorbing 5 gens a day after a nuclear reactor exploded too. So that's miles what I'm saying. Home.
0: 75 would just kill you on the spot, wouldn't it? It seems like
1: it probably would. And I mean, even worse than that, the the military there was starting to cut telephone lines and reactor employees were prohibited from telling anyone what had happened. Um on, well, fortunately, people care about people generally. And yeah. word started to spread sort of in 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 the city. Yeah. I have a quote from a woman who was living in prepad at the time. She, her name is Lydia Roman She worked for the Chernobyl construction firm. And she said, sometime around eight in the morning, a neighbor called me and said that her neighbor had not returned from the station, that an accident had taken place there. She also said that her dentist friend had been awakened at the night because of, of an emergency and was summoned to the clinic to which people from the station were taken all night. So the explosion happened, and employees were being. Did she
0: say I then got in my car and drove away? Were, like her
1: neighbor was as hard and fast as possible. She said that her neighbor packed her. She was like, "We're packing our bags. You should pack our bags. Like we're leaving the city." So people were fleeing the city okay. at this point, but there wasn't a max. There wasn't like a okay. People were still like there wasn't one account of a woman with, st- like went through with their wedding. Like people were still getting married. They were still going to work. They were still. They were just like, well, we haven't been told that. This is as bad as it is. So we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. The military and the police at this time were wearing respirators and and gas masks, but they weren't handing any out to any of the citizens. And so I think people got a bit suspicious because of that. And the children were sent home from school, given iodine tablets and basically told to stay inside. And that's all that like, that's all the immediate response was Mm. to this explosion. They didn't evacuate until April 26th, like nearly 24 hours later. When the evacuation was ordered, like, none of, no one was aware of it. It was it started 50 minutes later, and it was and the government said, this needs to be completed in two hours. So they were given no time to do anything, and then they were basically, like, get everybody out. And people were... It's
0: kind of amazing, bearing in mind, you're talking, you said, like, 15,000 people lived in Chernobyl, in Chernobyl. and 50,000 people. Yeah. So you're talking about 65,000 people. It's kind of amazing that the death toll isn't way higher is that because of russian reporting
1: wasn't immediately higher probably or
0: is it just no even now well, like,
1: i think i think it i think it has more to do with sort of the latent effect on of radiation on your body like they're like this didn't happen long ago like you were a baby when yeah the, when the reactor exploded so there are people who were born in prepat were probably growing up in prepat who who knows like what what, yeah. that, what that's doing to their bodies yeah. So that, that's what was happening in prepat. Like yeah. I said, they had, had sort of no idea. And when the evacuation started, they were basically told to stick whatever they could into a suitcase and then, and then flee. But the government was confiscating their dosimeters, which is a device you can use to measure the levels of ra- like of r- nearby radiation.
0: Okay, just as a heads up, when your government feels that you live in a risky enough place to give you those, mm. maybe rethink life choices.
1: I wonder if it's like Vermont. So, like Vermont, if you're under a certain age, they'll pay you money to move there. Okay, I wonder if it was like that. If really, there was some yeah. If you're under the age of thirty or forty, I think Vermont will pay you like a thousand dollars to move to Vermont because they want to lo- They want a younger because Vermont's full of old people, basically. So yeah, it could have been
0: okay.
1: Something like that. But I was reading like they were, I and mean, when they got to the other side, they were they were people like there was a, a, obviously another set of government like military people on the other side of wherever they were being evacuated to. They they were having to hand over a lot of their personal possessions because they were so irradiated and you can't like hang on to things like that. And they were driving these, I didn't take any notes on this and this is all sort of just like what I'm remembering is like the buses were also heavily irradiated. And so they're driving time bombs into, into cities. Yeah. Mm. So the effect isn't just from Chernobyl exploding. It, It had a massive spread. Yeah. That, you know, it doesn't stop when the, when the, Reactor explodes. It's on uh. the buses. It's on your clothes. It's, like, on your like your watches, your wedding rings. Yeah. It's on everything. So that's pre-pet. The WHO puts the immediate death toll at a very low number. Obviously, the 30 people died in the explosion of the yeah. power plant and then the first responders who died a few weeks later from acute radiation sickness. They have the numbers at 5,000 dead due to cancer-related... Uh, due to that cancer. That just
0: seems low to me. Yeah,
1: and honestly... I hope I didn't like pull a number from like a few years after the explosion because yeah. I would be doing a disservice to this.
0: It seems like catastrophe.
1: Me. Um but the WHO also said that about 50,000 square miles of eastern Europe was contaminated and deemed aliv- like unlivable. Yeah. Yeah. Some interesting numbers that I found. These are the the kind of materials that were released yeah. into the atmosphere after the explosion. So cesium one thirty seven was a pretty prevalent after effect that came out of the the reactor, yeah. and it has a half life of thirty years or so. They thought, but recent tests have shown that it's not decaying as quickly as they thought it was going to, and it might actually have like a, more like a hundred year half life, okay. which means that it just means that the Earth is even less yeah, <laughs> livable. Habitable. Yeah, another radionuclide was found in Sweden. This is plutonium two thirty nine, and this is, I believe, the Kind of plutonium they were using in the reactor, so it
0: can be linked back even in yeah. Sweden. And it has
1: a half life of twenty four thousand years, Jeez. which means that like that plutonium will be continuing to degrade and affecting life, like life expectancy in Sweden, for the rest of the foreseeable future. Twenty
0: four thousand years, yeah. So for longer than legitimately, for longer than humans have been on the planet, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. A long time, really yeah. long time. Uh, it might outlive us on this planet.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but on a brighter note, you can take day trips to Pripat starting at $77 a day.
0: And why wouldn't you, after all? We've just told you about it. <laughs> uh,
1: for $77 a day, you go to Kiev. You drive to a checkpoint outside of the exclusion zone. You drive into the exclusion zone. They take you to a small village on the border of the exclusion zone. They drive you past the reactors. It does say we don't suggest you stay at the reactors for... You can can go to the sarcophagus, but they do suggest you don't stay there for more than an hour because the latent levels of radiation is so high.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think I've seen this. I'm pretty sure they go there on Top Gear.
1: Oh, yeah. We were talking about we couldn't remember which show they had been on, which they had been to Chernobyl.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that they went there on Top Gear or, or whatever the Amazon version of Top Gear is. Yeah. And they very well might, and I think they went there in Jack Whitehorse travels with my father. Okay. So, I've seen people go on holiday there, and I really think people should
1: mm-hmm. because it's that part of it's the
0: those who forget
1: history are doomed to repeat it. Yeah,
0: and it's just like going to concentration camps mm. and things like that. You have to be aware of what humans can do, and the and the I mean, there's so many. We've really hit on the negatives of nuclear power yeah right now but there are so many positives to it too yeah yeah so i think you going into these things you have to just be aware of the
1: you have to be i mean well it, you have to
0: go in eyes wide open if
1: you're visiting a place like prepad be aware that you're walking into a highly radiated radiated <laughs> area i think you have to rent a dosimeter before you even go in. i think
0: i remember seeing that in one of those shows yeah. that i was you have about. to
1: have a dosimeter on you you have to be aware of how to use it i mean just be safe like like you can stay in the city, you can stay in prepat or Chernobyl or w- whichever, wherever they've built a hotel for up to four days without the radiation really having an immediate effect. You see, on the your thing body. about
0: that is that you just told me that they thought the half life of something was thirty years, and it's yeah.
1: probably more likely a hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: realistically, it just it,
1: no one actually knows. Like it doesn't mean that the latent levels of radiation are actually because there is a certain level of radiation that you can absorb without your body sort of becoming. A nightmare zone? Yeah. And it's low enough in most of pre-pad at this point. Um, it, That just means that, like, it's going to continue breaking down at the same rate for longer. Yeah. But still, I understand what you're saying. I probably wouldn't spend a night in pre-pad.
0: I'd like to go, yeah. but I'm not sure I'm going to spend four days. Yeah. I'm not sure that just because four days is probably okay, it's I'm the, going to spend the four days the blank days of the
1: safest amount. Yeah. And I'm not sure if they drive you out of the exclusion happens zone. happens if I need,
0: like, a couple of extra x-rays in my life, then... You know, how can you yeah. but yeah, I would totally
1: Yeah. Um so yeah, if you guys are in I wanna go visit or near the Ukraine or Belarus, you can go visit you can go visit Chernobyl. It's it's they obviously think it's important to see. Plus there's nothing in that city anymore, so what else what better way to, to use it than to Well, you
0: know, Ukraine's not exactly a profitable it's not exactly a No,
1: that's why day trips there are so cheap.
0: Yeah, it's not exactly a a, a wealthy country, so no. I don't think that bringing them some tourist dollars is... It's not a bad thing. ...the worst thing in the world nope. to the people that are living there. So
1: go to Kiev, get a taxi, Yeah. go to Chernobyl for a day or two, or four.
0: Please don't
1: go for four. Five,
0: six. But, guys, if you have been to Chernobyl, please let us know. Yeah. I'd be really interested to know some first-hand accounts of what it feels like.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it's just a ghost town. Like the only, I think the only people... So once a year, if you were born or living in prepat, you can go back on the day of the explosion. I'm not sure if they have like a, if it's just sort of like a high school reunion or yeah. or what, but people do go back. People are, I think, fighting to try to resettle in that area. I
0: mean, how sad though to like. Go back? No, how sad to wake up one morning and have to leave everything you, have an entire, 50,000 people had to leave their entire They're lives completely behind. Completely
1: displaced. Yeah, it is awful.
0: I mean, it's a war. I mean, that's war effects. They're refugees at that point. Yeah,
1: it's and, and in their own country because of their own because of someone yeah. else's ineptitude. And then
0: you put on top of that not only the health effects, of the immediate problems like if you're at war, but for the next, well, for the rest of their lives, they're going to constantly yeah.
1: be worried about. Oh yeah, and the health of their children and the yeah. rest of their family because. Even if you move in with your with a relative who wasn't living in prepat, you're yeah. you're irradiated, so you're effectively putting them at risk.
0: It's that's terrible. And
1: I will say I'm gonna throw some heavy shade at Mikhail Gorbachev, because I didn't mention that in this okay. in this version of the recording. But after the reactor exploded and the Soviets were trying to cover everything up, Gorbachev didn't feel the need to disrupt the politicians' weekend. So instead of telling them that there was a reactor that exploded, he basically just he just set up a task force to investigate why it exploded. Yeah. So, Gorbachev, you can go uh, suck an egg for all I care.
0: Yep, and I'm sure that's the worst thing he's ever been told to do.
1: <laughs> so, that's it. That's the, that's Chernobyl. All
0: right. That's Chernobyl um, we, part two. So, we did decide at the end of last week's episode we were going to do something a bit more cheery and something on a country that maybe we would never normally look into or...
1: Had no prior knowledge of. Had no prior, of, prior I think knowledge we of. So...
0: I don't know what that's going to be yet. No, I don't do even I. know.
1: No. It's I mean it's only been 24 hours since we last recorded yeah. this, so I haven't really given it any. And we're thought. supposed
0: to be finding something that we wouldn't normally find.
1: Yeah, which is going to which is going to be interesting.
0: Yeah, so it'll be really interesting to see what we come back with next week. Um obviously keep an eye out because some point towards the end of this week uh my uh Church Snakes Church Snakes bonus episode is going to drop into your feed Mm. so make sure you subscribe and that way you know as soon as it comes because it can come any day really the
1: okay and uh and and please guys if you are enjoying these episodes give us a review on itunes because it does
0: really make a difference so so
1: much and we really want your feedback as well we appreciate we've been appreciating all the comments and the DMs, so please keep those up go follow the instagram at The Truth of Legends
0: pod? The Legendary Tales. The
1: Legendary Tales pod? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Go follow that. Which one of those? Uh, Whichever one's us. It's the Truth of Legends pod. That's what I said. No. No, it's
0: not. It's the Legendary Tales pod. Go follow that. Good Lord.
1: Go follow that. Send us emails. Tell your dog. Tell your grandma. And we'll see you in a week.
0: All right. See you soon. Bye. Bye.